Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome, everyone, to the Mike Abadir Show. I am your host, Mike Abadir, of course. And today is Thursday, November 17th, 2022, which means that we are about to embark upon the quest for the most coveted trophy on the planet, the World Cup. Super excited for that. We're going to talk about Team USA's chances, of course, even if they're not great. Talk about some of the world's biggest clubs. And as always, we're going to talk some NFL, MLB, and NBA with my main man, Pop DiBiase. Pop, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you, Mike? I'm glad to be here. Um, you know, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm really looking forward. This is going to be a really fun few days here, right? I always love, you know, Thursday ushers us into the NFL week with Thursday night football. You got some basketball going on, you know, on through the weekend and college football, NFL week 11. And then Monday morning, we got our first matchup, USA against Wales in the World Cup down in Qatar in the Middle East for the quest for the Holy Grail in soccer, man. So a lot going on, bro. Yeah, big sports weekend as usual. That's what fall is all about, right? Absolutely, man. Yeah. And for the horse racing fans, you know, you get to dabble a little bit with Del Mar. That, that, that doesn't suck. Although for me, I'm always sad because... I think of this meet as Hollywood Parks meet, so there's a little sensitivity there, uh, reminiscing back to the Hollywood Park days because that was one of my favorite tracks. But if you're going to lose that one, you might as well gain Del Mar, right? Yep, and Del Mar did did the the greatest favor to anybody ever when they stepped in for um, Hollywood Park and everything because you know it was tough for Del Mar to do that because Del Mar is really likes to have their summer meet and. All that good stuff, but they 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 know that it's good weather down there in San Diego, so why not? Now, before we get through the uh, horse racing aspect, which was kind of impromptu over here, uh, any insight into our friend Doug O'Neill? Oh, the situation that happened with the uh, with worst Reed Sanchez up in uh, at Golden Gate. Yeah, so I mean, is he is is Mora? Gonna take over, Landra Mora. Gonna take over. What's? Uh, do you have any insight on that? I know he's been really busy, so I don't probably, know if you've been able to catch I, I up with him or not. Probably stay whoever. Yeah, Leandro will probably take over as the trainer as usual. You know what I mean? Because this isn't Doug's first time getting suspended. So pretty much, I think Leandro will take over, and possibly you'll have maybe um, What's my man's name? Um, the other guy that works with Redham as well, too. Uh, he might be uh, – his name might be on some horses as well, too. But I, I would say that Leandro – Leandro got to taken care of. I know that for a fact he got that taken care of. And Steve and the crew and team, they're all still there. But Doug, you know, he just has to go ahead and sit out for 30 days. And he'll be back just in time for the Santa Anita meet. So when you guys out there are looking through the program and you see an unfamiliar name – don't discount it. You know, if you're able to get some value, some big odds on a guy named Mora, Leandro, that's the Doug O'Neill barn, folks. So yes. uh, don't don't dismiss that uh, because you'd be making a, a pretty big mistake. Hopefully, though, because of that unfamiliarity, perhaps for some people, uh, it doesn't get bet on as much, which means inflated odds, bigger opportunities to win hit exactas etc with juicier payoffs maybe than normal when doug o'neill is there so that's it for horse racing today everyone because there's so much more to talk about let's talk a little world cup pop uh i love the tournament i'm excited for it i think it's really cool that it's once every four years what are your thoughts about the world cup how do you feel about, is this something that you're hardcore about lukewarm about you know, just kind of like, you know, I'll check in on the scores, but I'm not going to be watching a lot of the games. Where do you stand with the World Cup? Um, the World Cup is always entertaining. 
I just think that possibly they they're doing it uh, at the wrong time. Uh, but I know that they they had no choice because Quatar is not uh, one of the better weather places when it comes to you know sports because it's hot literally all year long and summer would have been impossible to do anything guys would have melted out there literally melted so i understand you being in november but you're not going to hit hard in america right now I, I i hate to be the burden of bad news on that but this is a global sport so the world will be watching but i know that america is going to probably i know usa is probably going to tap out uh, once the USA exits the uh, tournament, to be honest with you, Mike. And um, it's just so early in the year. Usually when it's in the summer, I can go ahead and balance it out, and it's perfect because they're playing early in the day, all that good stuff most times. And so I could jump into that, watch that and everything. But it does get really exciting when they get to the round of 16. That's what I will say. But this pool play thing, it does get it. It, it is very formful. You know what I mean? It's like you know who your who your horses are, who you know who the big horses are, and you know the guys that just did did good enough to get here, but they ain't got no, they ain't got nothing to offer here. But I see a lot of teams that um, are kind of new to the group this year as well too. I see that no Nigeria is here, and Nigeria is usually um, a staple of the World Cup since I've been watching since '94 when they were in the USA. And um, I see Cameroon has returned as well, too. But, you know, from looking at the field, it looks like a very formful field as well, too. You kind of have an idea who's going to be in the champion, who's going to be in the final four and things like that. Because anybody who you see right at the top of the group, those teams are probably going are the teams to, you know, to bank on. But there are some really good teams here. All in all, so this is a this is going to be a strong World Cup in my opinion. I've never seen Wells here though. That's the whole thing. That's crazy. I've ne- I haven't seen Wells or I just might and I have been paying attention, but I haven't seen Wells here. And once again, Italy missed the uh, World Cup for the that's second. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, they went, missed it last. They missed it four years ago too. And I'm just like, man, Italy. Uh, didn't you guys play in a World Cup championship like? Back in 2008, like, dude, like, seriously, come on, get get on the ball, buddy. Yeah, no doubt about that. And they also have uh, maybe the uh, third or fourth, uh, probably the fourth largest uh, soccer league in the world over there as well. You know, definitely behind Premier League and and uh, La Liga and, you know, uh, German and, and French leagues as well. But here's the thing. You mentioned something interesting about the timing of the tournament. The... The interesting thing is because it's a global game, FIFA doesn't fear anybody. So the only thing that can crush over the NFL is a FIFA-run global tournament. It may not crush in the United States, but now that's one country out of the, what, 225 countries around the world that may be maybe not tuned in as religiously so if they could get 219 out of the 220 or 224 out of the 225, whatever it is that are glued to their TV, America is just a tiny little dot on the map for ratings perspective and revenue perspective, et cetera. Now, with that said, I think the viewership over here lives and dies by Team USA, meaning the, a lot of those other countries, even if their team gets bounced they're watching the tournament because they're crazy about soccer about football but here in the u.s team usa has to be involved i think if they get to the round of 16 there will probably be some hype if they get bounced early people are going to be like usa sucks we knew that they had no chance and the usual um verbiage that you hear from people you know that aren't super into it but are more into kind of the uniform and the team associated with it. So that's kind of my take on the, on the ratings and the timing and everything. But like you mentioned, the summers are brutal over there. It would be like having an outdoor baseball game in Phoenix in uh, July or August or something just wouldn't be fun for anybody involved. Probably not even safe too for the athletes that are involved as well. But Qatar is, is kind of a odd choice to me anyways, uh, because you know what's going to happen, Pop. 
they're they've built all these stadiums they're they're gonna rot after the event so is the marketing of having them be the host city strong enough to carry Qatar through the next 10 years because they had the World Cup does that bring so much attention to their to their nation to their state whatever it is in the Emirates that that trumps over the cost the millions that they've dumped into all these stadiums around the country probably billions actually um they don't really have the infrastructure in in comparison by the way if you were to look at the US it's pretty simple right they'd play some games at sofi play some games at you know jerry world play some games in miami you already have all the stadiums everywhere you don't need to build anything you know what i mean pop right and what my thing is like this quatar i saw what happened eight years ago when they got picked and there was a big scandal behind this as well too the fifa president got fired over this as well they gave them a large amount of money for that uh world cup we know that everybody has put in a bid but they gave them some extra money as well too i know i'm kind of you know over here telling but there was a big big story about why would you ever let Quatar get the World Cup knowing that this is a country that is not very is not a common place for something like this you know what I mean and they may not be prepared for something like this and they said that they gave them a boatload of money to make this happen so that's what I'm looking at in a sense as well is that they gave them a lot of money Mike you know what I mean? And that's why they're having the tournament, period, point blank. That's why they have it. And, you know, we all know it could have been a much smarter if you did it out here in the U.S. and you got all these brand new, beautiful stadiums because when you did the World Cup in 94, you were doing them in older stadiums. None of those stadiums are – Some of the, most of those stadiums are gone now, you know, except for Soldier Field, you know, but and the Rose Bowl. But the rest of them are pretty much gone. And it would have been fun watching, you know, the World Cup down in Miami and they're playing in the Dolphin Stadium. And then you see them at SoFi or possibly the Rose Bowl again. Because I would I would think they would put it at the Rose Bowl again because the Rose Bowl kind of, you know, SoFi has a lot of other commitments going on and the Rose Bowl is wide open. You know what I mean? So, and it fits. And they know they could get that 100000 up in there easily. Um, but I truly do think the world cup is going to going to be really good globally but i truly do i got to go ahead and say kind of double back on my point a little bit about you know maybe people won't be all the way signed up in america let's just keep it real it won't be the it won't be the brothers in the hood and it won't be the the uh, the guys that just love football football uh you know tooth and nail those guys are out but I will say this, we have such an international presence in the country that these guys will be glued. So if Mexico is to do something in the tournament, that will be huge. You know what I mean? Canada won't be a big deal, but Mexico, I just thought about it. I said if Mexico was to advance to the final eight or something of that nature, because I heard they got a pretty good team this year, that would be huge because they would play that up here. You know what I mean? Because I know they'll be watching. The Mexicans. I don't want to bring. It's not about race, y'all. Okay, but we all we all got our demographics and we all got our thoughts. You know what I mean. But I will say this: the brothers is out. They're gonna be watching basketball and watching football. You know, straight up. And they'll watch a little bit when they see an African running up and down uh, the field real quick and say, "Oh man, I'm going for Cameroon." But you know, they're all gonna be going for America. But I will say this, if America is to make a big move and everything like that, they can't snatch a couple eyes from the NFL, but they'll be the most popping thing during the week. But I'm going to keep it real with you. You won't see Skip and Shannon stopping their day to talk about it. You won't see Kyle Hurd having uh, 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 who he thinks is going to win the uh, World Cup discussion. You know what I mean? Just think about that part. But you'll still have the K Abdos doing their programming and stuff like that. So yeah, I would say that um, it's the World Cup. It's gonna it's gonna boom regardless. But they know that 
they have to have some integrity. You can't just be going to countries that aren't really built for you to have this type of event, in my opinion. You know what I mean? And I think that they they dropped the ball immensely on this one. You know, Canada could have been used. You know, anywhere could have been used but Qatar. You know what I mean? And I just truly feel like they put themselves in a position to where the World Cup could lose the 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 glow that it has. You know what I mean? You have to put these things, you have to put these in places that really operate sports, in my opinion, Mike. And that's what I that's that's all I got for that. Well, uh you're you're right. There was a lot of corruption involved with this decision. Uh the former FIFA president, Sepp Blatter, he was uh the one involved with a lot of the corruption and the bribery and everything, and that got him banned. And he's he's banned from the sport entirely until 2027. Um, this all went down, uh, you know, in the mid 2010s, like around 2015. Right. Or at least that's when his ban started. So we know that there's a lot of corruption involved. We know that there's a lot of politics and dirty play, foul play involving FIFA. That's for sure. Nobody uh, denies that at this juncture. Um, by the way, you were mentioning, you know, Skip and Shannon and Cowherd. There may be a chance, by the way, that they're going to slightly be, I don't want to say forced to talk about it, but Fox is carrying the event in English. So they're probably going to be having some conversations. They're going to probably be forced to squeeze it in, um, have a little bit of dialogue about it. And then NBC uh, and Univision are partnering up for the Spanish telecast. So that's kind of interesting as well in that it's able to kind of attract uh a, you know the two main you know languages and demographics in in the united states you know the latin americans the hispanics etc they can watch over here if they choose to there's the english version for the people that choose to as well but i think we are in agreement about team usa and about the different demographics that'll be interested in uh the the sport into the tournament into you know wearing jerseys and all that kind of stuff and tweeting about it and everything you know i guarantee you if us loses early there'll be a lot of tweets talking crap but um in terms of actual fanhood yeah i don't think we're that spirited here in the united states outside of those who are born in other countries who are now over here so anyways let's take a quick commercial timeout pop and we'll come back, resume the conversation, maybe give a couple predictions, and then move to the National Football League. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back right after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. We got some baseball news here. Paul Goldschmidt gets 22 out of 31st place votes and gets the National League MVP. Manny Machado finishes second, Nolan Arenado third. What do you think about those standings for the National League, Pop? What I tell you, Mike, is going to be Goldie. 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 And you know what? Arizona, I swear, Arizona is, is, is really has the worst luck. Them in D.C., where they develop these really good players and then they move on. Well, I shouldn't say D.C. because D.C. harbored it well there, but they develop really good players. They draft and put it together. Then all of a sudden, this guy's in St. Louis and he absolutely crushes it and he's the MVP. Just like uh, some other, uh, just like um, others that came from Arizona as well too. So it's just like, wow, Paulie Goldschmidt, Goes ahead and wins it, and Ari- and it's crazy because Arenado was on the Rockies, and the Rockies, you know, I just really feel bad for both of those teams that they didn't want to pay nobody. You know what I mean? Like, it's just man, why ain't you want to pay nobody? You know, what you I mean? know. Let me interrupt you real quick, Pop, if I may. It's interesting though because the Arenado story is kind of fascinating because there was a lot of people that thought, okay, the Rockies aren't going to pay him. Too bad. That really sucks. He's a great glove, got a great glove, and he's a great hitter, but he's probably going to falter away from Coors Field, away from that altitude, etc. But the guy really has shown that he's a legit third baseman wherever he plays. And so the Cardinals got themselves a great deal. I mean, that's all I have to say about that matter. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I, I just, I'm proud of him. I told you he was going to win it, Mike, because he had all the numbers. Yeah, so we're waiting on the AL announcement. That should be coming in pretty soon over here. I think while we're on the air, Pop, we're going to hear about the AL. Uh, Cy Young Awards, Verlander. And then the, the guy that you and I kind of debated a little bit, I kind of felt that Alcantara was probably going to be the guy you gave the nod to some Dodger guys. Now that Alcantara has it, are you cool with that or no? Repeat that question real quick, Mike. I'm sorry. For the uh, AL and NL Cy Youngs, Verlander got it. That's not a surprise. But Sandy Alcantara got it for the National League. Uh, that was something that you and I debated a little bit. And uh, you kind of maybe felt that it should go to one of the Dodger guys uh, I I felt that Alcantara was probably going to get it. How do you feel now that the announcement has been made? Okay, for Cy Young, I was disappointed because they really just said, you know what, we don't care about yours like that. We're just going to go ahead and say, you know, your team won 111 games, but that didn't mean anything to us. We're going to go with the guy that team finished fourth place. Literally, literally, literally. So, you know, my thing is like this. It's okay. You have Verlander win. You have Verlander win, and you have this be a certain situation where it's like, okay, he's 39. You guys did that because he won the World Series. But you guys were just literally hating. That's the East Coast bias right there, Mike. I don't care. You know what I mean? Alan Carter did well, but he he struggled in games as well, too, man. And come on. Yuris had the best ERA in baseball. And then he won 20 games last year. When are you guys going to show him, see show, see that he is the best pitcher with on the Dodgers? Didn't he start opening day? Did he not start opening day, Mike? So 
I just don't get it. It's whatever, man. Um, you know, I just think that they're doing this because they just didn't want to give the Dodgers their, their credit, man. They didn't want to do anything right for the Dodgers. Well, the thing is, here's, here's I think, what the voters and uh, the baseball writers of America saw, which is an old school type of pitcher. Now, that's not da- that's not Urias's fault or any of the Dodger fault because Dave Roberts he plays the bullpen game. He's got a quick trigger finger more than maybe uh, Don Mattingly did with the Marlins, and because of that, Alcantara had I believe eight complete games, which is like four more than any other team combined. So he went the distance a lot, and I think that was something that really appealed to these guys. This old-school pitcher who's like, give me the freaking ball, and you're going to have to pry it away from me if you want it again because I'm going to take this all the way through. And I, I think that played a big part of it, Pop. I really do. I think that he's he's an innings eater, and he, you know, it's almost like we could forgive a slightly higher ERA because – He's pitching in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, having the hitters having seen him for the third, fourth, and fifth time. So if his ERA is a little bit more inflated to us, it's still better than somebody with a lower ERA who's gone through the lineup twice. So I could see both points, Pop. And I think that Arias would have been a very, very deserving Cy Young Award winner. Dodgers really had a, several guys, right? Uh, Anderson and Gonsolin and, you know, uh, it, which is remarkable, really, because we haven't even mentioned the names Clayton Kershaw and Walker Buehler. So for the Dodgers to be able to retool like that is is, is probably reserved for another show entirely. So um, interesting stuff. Nonetheless, Let's see uh, if we can uh, announce the AL MVP award as it comes through the wire uh, any moment now. Shifting back to the World Cup just for a quick moment. Do you have any predictions? Who who do you think wins the World Cup? Is this? It's hard, man, because I'm looking at this right now. I got Argentina here. You got Uruguay. You got Portugal. And you just say to yourself, what are the big names? You know Brazil is going to always be the the team that is going to get the most most uh coverage because they got the they got all the show offs and is that that's what I like to say but I'm gonna keep it real with you though I think France is gonna be good again here but I'm always a fan of Belgium to win the World Cup I love how Belgium plays man and they're in Group F and they're in a very their group is actually a cakewalk to me because they got Canada Morocco and Croatia did good last time but that's because the game it was in Russia right last time Croatia or something yeah it was uh yeah Russia or something it like was, that it was over in where they speak where where the, they all speak that language so pretty much um yeah Croatia doesn't have a home field advantage like they did last time. So I think Belgium has a good walk to the to the next round. And then you got Spain here as well. You know, and Germany's always gonna be tough. But Costa Rica looks like they're playing some good uh they're they're number two. Um but you know, Mike, I'm just you know, I I don't really have no prediction to be honest with you. I know I'm just kind of talking out of my butt right now. So pretty much, uh, um, let's roll with Belgium. Okay, that's fair. I mean, look, the easy the easy way out is just take Brazil, right? They are the favorite to win the tournament. They're basically uh, a notch above two to one. They're technically nine to four odds to win the World Cup, which is a hair above two to one. Um, the surprise odds to me is that England is just three to one. I think that might be overrating them a tad, especially for a team that really hasn't done anything in the world cup for like 70 years or something, you know, since like the 1950s. Um, I personally am, am kind of torn between Spain, a four to one Germany at nine to two. And my long shot is Uruguay at 16 to one. And uh, and so th- those would be the three that I'm keying in on. 
Now, forgive me, but I haven't necessarily played it out through the brackets to see if any of those teams can actually meet head-to-head or if they're on the same side of the tourney bracket or not. I haven't played it out that far. But I'm just going to stick with my the three I think that are the best value are Spain, Germany, Uruguay. I think the winner comes from one of those. If they can match up head-to-head, I think two out of those teams will be in the finals, Germany, Spain, and Uruguay. So, you know, I think both of us also realize our limitations. We haven't exactly watched all 32 nations, national teams in depth to be able to to really, really do a deep dive into it. But I think both of us know wagering, no odds, no value, and uh, and sometimes as an American, if that's all you're equipped with, you know, you can uh, still make a few bucks, enjoy the tourney, sit back and uh, root for whatever country you're from or whatever country's uniforms you like or whatever superstars you've always been a big fan of. You know, maybe it's Cristiano Ronaldo over in Portugal. Uh you know, Lionel Messi in Argentina. So it's a cool tournament because there's a lot of fanhood involved. There's a lot of layers of fanhood and the rooting interest can come for a whole host of different reasons. Maybe it's stylistically, like you said, you're a fan of Belgium and their style. Um, You know, if you notice, I excluded Brazil from my final three or my top three, mainly because I just don't, I wouldn't want to play a two to one. Uh, but again, they're the obvious team. They got the razzle-dazzle. Like you said, they're a bunch of show-offs, but they can be that. You know what I mean? Like, this is the Yankees of soccer. So, um, nonetheless, I'm excited for it. Looking forward to it. By this same time next week, we'll be able to talk about Team USA, hopefully in a positive light. But we'll wait till then to carry this conversation any further from now because I want to talk a little NBA just for a quick moment or two about the discrepancy between home and road for the veteran-laden Golden State Warriors, the NBA champs. I don't think I've ever seen a team that has experienced veterans, multiple championships, have this kind of poor start on the road where they're literally winless almost 20% into the season now. What's going on here? Well, you know, they only, you know, they only got 15 games, Mike, you know, and they're, and it's funny because they're not getting taken to the woodshed like the Lakers and like the Nets and they're losing the bad teams, Mike. They're not losing to just, you know, Lakers have lost to all teams that can possibly make the playoffs. And you can't even say the Kings' loss was uh, a ha-ha loss because the Kings have won their last seven out of nine. They scored 153 points the other night. And they beat the Warriors as well, too. The Warriors are not good right now because they need a trade badly. And that's because Draymond Green messed up the whole kumbaya nucleus chemistry of the team by punching Jordan Poole. You think it was that impactful, huh? Yes, it was, because now you got guys that won't even talk to each other in the locker room anymore. That's not good. You know, and that's not good at all. So who who got to leave? I think that they get rid of Poole because Poole has the assets. He has the money. He has the big contract. And I think that they're going to try to make themselves a monster deal here before the uh, trade deadline with Jordan Poole involved. But I said uh, no team should be giving up a first-round pick for Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is, a, is at best a role player. It's just he plays for the Warriors. That's it. Now, if we throw him on the uh, Orlando Magic, he's pretty normal. If we throw him on the Houston Rockets, he'll probably still be good on the Rockets, but nobody will care. So I think the Warriors just need a, 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 a just they need a change right now. But I wouldn't want to get rid of Poole. I'd just get rid of Draymond because Draymond is, is a headache. I don't care what anybody says. Yes, he's helped them win some championships or whatever. But he's been a mouthy person, and he hasn't really been that effective of a player to me since, say, their last championship against the Cavs. I just think that he's living off the fact that 
he's able to talk a lot. It's not he's not doing anything very skillful. It's just that you have a leadership that kind of makes everybody go a little bit, but they can still win games without you. So I truly do think that the team has to make some type of move. That's it. You mentioned the Sacramento Kings. They've won four in a row. They're now above 500, um, you know, at this point of the season, which is nice to see. They haven't been good since the days of White Chocolate and Mike Bibby and and Doug Christie and the man Vlade Divac who smokes in the locker room and Chris Weber and on and on and on. Um, I love those teams. I was a big fan of those teams. We haven't seen the Kings have any kind of glory since then. We'll see. I'm not saying that this team is going to be that, but they got some nice pieces so far. They are the uh, highest scoring team in the uh, Western Conference, as you kind of alluded to. They're averaging a hair under 120 a game. And the only team that matches that in the entire NBA is the Boston Celtics, who are scoring a hair above 120 a game. So offensive firepower galore. Let's take our final timeout, Pop, and we'll talk some National Football League right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy plus you get to take advantage of some great member benefits get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels keep track of your favorite episodes shows and hosts in your own customizable library find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites plus you get insider access with our newsletter membership gives you more Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Pop liking at the commercial break, my white chocolate reference there. Uh, those are some good old days for the Sacramento Kings I uh, want to give a quick props to the Pelicans. They're they're off to a pretty nice start, yeah, you know. Right. Um, so good good to see them in in the mix. And uh, you know the the Timberwolves. I don't understand what their philosophy is as a team. The Grizzlies, I think, are fun to watch if you like some defense. Uh, there's some pretty fun stories going on in the NBA. One of the ones that's gotten a lot of pub is the New Jersey Nets. And I know you've got some pretty strong opinions about that, as do I. I'll I'll say about it, and I'll let you jump in, Pop, is that I think that the Nets are going to correct the ship. They're going to right the ship, and they're going to be a playoff team. Um, You know, they may not be a one or two or three seed, but I think that they're going to be a playoff team. They got too many really, really good superstars not to be able to get it right and get it figured out. Well, the Nets, and you know they're in Brooklyn, 
But I feel you though, because New Jersey still. Oh, I, that's still like still I still call them the San Diego Chargers. Right, they still rock with them. But let's all remember, just like the Chargers start in L.A., the Nets did start in Long Island. Okay, so True. We, we have that. We have True. that. We have that. So that's all right. That's then. That's the reason I uh, my Freudian slip. You good because right. they still they still belong in New Jersey in a sense. They love the Nets in New Jersey. They don't like the Knicks. So um, they'll be fine, Mike. They'll be the. Dude, they can be a four seed because we're just we're not even at the quarter pole of the season. If this was a horse race, we just got out the gate. You know what I mean? So you don't want to be a front runner right now, and you don't want to be a team, and you don't want to be a team that's that's just going on nice little streaks. I think that the Nets will be fine, and I think that when it comes down to best duos, Kyrie and K- KD really are going to have this us against the world mentality, and I'm saying watch out. But honestly, at the end of the day, the two teams coming out the East are either the Bucks or the Celtics. But the Nets can make a move because they still have a power piece and being able to possibly move Simmons if they can. Because Simmons is still a viable guy. I know that he's been getting dogged out a lot by people that have never played in the NBA before, but it doesn't matter. Guys are trying to come back from an injury and he's trying to come back and be as, as impactful as a player as he can be. But I just think that, you know, it takes time. And once he gets it together and he's able to run the point position the way that they need him to run the point position and be a good rebounder, they're going to be good, man. And that's all I can say. Jock Vaughn can coach. He's from my city. And Jock Vaughn was one of the – was a very highly touted guy coming out of high school, going to college. And he was an All-American in high school. He's an All-American in college. He just was too short for – he was too short for the NBA. I think that he's about 15 years um, – 15 years ahead of his time. He could have been a Chris Paul type if, you know, they looked at him the right way in the NBA. But come on, man. He played behind John Stockton. He got drafted by the Jazz. There was no shot on having one of those all-star careers once you get behind Stockton, who's still in his prime at the point at that point. But at least he was on the team when they were going to the uh, NBA Finals as well, too. So he has that in his he has that cat feather in his cap, and he played for the Nets when they went to the championship as well, to the back-to-back finals that they went to. So he has the experience, and he's a much better option than Steve Natch. So that's how I know that they're going to be a really good team when it's all said and done because he was able to get something out of them right away. So they should be good. But I'm really more impressed with Boston, though, to be honest with you. They got an eight-game streak going. They're 12-3 and right now, and they are just kicking butt the um, – Duo of Tatum and Brown is just incredible, and they have they not even fully stocked yet right now. Um, once they get their whole unit back, it's going it's going to be fun, man. That's all I can say. Definitely agree with you there, Pop. Now, I want to talk some National Football League because you know a week ago at this time, people were ready to crown the Buffalo Bills the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. They were looking at the Eagles' schedule and looking for a team that could possibly beat them on the road to being unbeaten. They were ready to write off the Green Bay Packers entirely. But when you look at the biggest storylines in football, it might be the Minnesota Vikings. People have been sleeping on them, yet they carved up Buffalo's defense like Swiss cheese. Now, they were a little bit lucky to get that win. But nonetheless, Buffalo's defense couldn't stop them at all. Going into this game, Buffalo had given up the least amount of points in the National Football League, uh, and 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 the Vikings were able to kind of march up and down the field at will, especially late in the game when it mattered. I also think a big storyline is the Miami Dolphins, right? In that same division that Buffalo is going to be crowned, they find themselves now suddenly in, in third place coming off of two straight losses, Miami's won four in a row. They're at seven and three. The Jets have something to say about that too. At six and three, I just don't think they have enough firepower. And the Chiefs at seven and two, they, they just keep taking care of business week in, week out. To me, those are some of the biggest storylines. Now, I know New York Giants fans are going to come at me and say, hey, we're seven and two. Cowboys come at me and say they're six and three, but they came off a real bad loss to, to what was a very slumping Green Bay Packers. And uh, this is the soap opera that's in the NFL. One other thing I'll say is that the 
the division that people were probably sleeping on before the season started because they thought it was a one-horse race was the AFC East. Yet that's the one division that's above 500 for every single team. The other division that people were probably sleeping on because the NFC least has been called the NFC least for so long, every team in that division is at least 500 or above. NFC West didn't look like it was going to be a dog battle, but heck, man, you could pretty much write off the Rams at this point of the year before Cooper Cup got hurt. Definitely so after Cooper Cup. Arizona Cardinals are a mess. They should be a lot better based on the talent that they've got. San Francisco has got a shit ton of talent, but they're just five and four. And sitting atop that division are the Seattle Seahawks, a team that nobody thought would be doing anything. Last thing I'll say, Tampa Bay, five and five, 500. That division, which usually has the Saints and the Buccaneers be the dominant teams. Saints have only won three out of the first 10 games. Bucks only five out of the first 10 games. That's a wrap on the NFL. That's my summary. 10 weeks in, in two minutes or less. Well, take a spot, I'm, Pop. I'm going to be honest with you, Mike. Ain't nothing wrong with Buffalo right now. Buffalo literally was up 24 to 10, and then they went and sat down, and they went and got comfortable. And then Kirk Cousins had to remind all of us why he's one of the highest paid players in the league. A lot of just because the talking heads always got something bad to say about Cousins, it doesn't mean that Cousins is a bad quarterback. Okay. Cousins went ahead and got it done. And they had a fluke situation happen at the goal line as well, too, to uh, get themselves in that game. Because Buffalo easily can go ahead and get two yards and kneel down. And then Buffalo easily could have went ahead and Josh Allen could have been a little bit more patient and they could have won that game it, it, it was just it was mad mistakes it was like the mistakes you make on Madden when you're just overthinking the game just a bit too much now buffalo is good to me um the jets are about to fall off and the giants are like a team that's the giants are like a 50 to one that just jumped out ahead of the field but they just waiting for everybody to catch them. That's that's how I'm looking at the Giants right now. And who ever said the Eagles was gonna go undefeated, Mike? Like who 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 came up with that idea? They were not the they were not the two they were not the Patriots from um years ago. They didn't even look like the the Steelers uh did when they went eleven and zero. They had one of the easiest schedules I've ever seen a team have to start a season. They played against two teams above 500. The, of course, they were about to. Uh, of course, they were never going to go undefeated. And I said on your show that, or on my show, and on my NFL show that the Commanders were were a live dog, a very live dog, because they came into the game winners of their last three out of four. Now four out of five. So people had to look at the trends and stop looking at the press clippings and th- listening to what the talking heads have to say because they're only looking at a quarter percent of the situation. They're not looking at the overall glimpses. They, they're giving you this idea that's absolute. And then I, odds makers get people really confused when they throw out double-digit spreads, knowing that the only reason why they're doing that is because they know that they ain't going to get no action on the other team if they don't do that. So – you know, I always go back to my uh, Jimmy the Greek mentality uh, with the Jets and the Colts. It the the, line, the number don't matter. It's all about what's going to happen when the what's going to happen when we get on that field. And so, I would say this right now: the Minnesota Vikings are not the top team in the NFL, but since they beat Buffalo, they 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 they've really went ahead and crossed a river. But they're winning their games very closely. They've blown out nobody. So. I truly do feel that when it comes to the NFL, we have one of our better seasons because we have parity. And then we don't have these upset. We don't have these, these, these games where guys are scoring, where teams are scoring or finishing up 34 to 30 and things like that. We're back to the old type of NFL, right? The one that we grew up on NFL on NBC every Sunday, where you really going to have to put it's guts, guts and glory and it's any given Sunday. It does not matter who you're playing against. It does not matter. As long as that team has a good play, game plan in place, you might lose that game. 
and you could be one of the better teams in the league. So that's why everybody got to be on uh, lookout every weekend because no game in the NFL has been easy for anybody this year, really, except for if you're the uh, Chiefs. That's the only team I said that has been literally on cruise control all season is the Chiefs. That's it. There's only two teams that I didn't talk about that are probably worthy of conversation. And the reason I didn't talk about them, Pop, is because I don't know what to do with them. And those are the Tennessee Titans at 6-3 and three and the Baltimore Ravens at 6-3. and three. Now, the Tennessee Titans, even though they're, they've won six out of nine games, which looks impressive, their point differential is minus two. And that's never a good formula when you're upside down on the port dif- point differential. It doesn't bode well in terms of playoff success and getting to the Super Bowl. The other team is the Ravens. They're also six and three. Now they have a positive point differential, which is pretty good. But they, the the story of their season is how many blown leads, big leads that they've given up, that they've coughed up. You know, and when you when you're that shaky defensively uh, in high leverage situations, hard for me to back you. So those are two teams with good records that that I didn't mention amongst the top teams. And then there's a lowly team, second worst record in the NFL. Saddens me so much to say it. Las Vegas Raiders, a two and seven. They're the team now that if your team is slumping, let's go. Let's go to Las Vegas and we're gonna correct, right the ship. You know, Colts aren't scoring any points. Hey, let's go to Vegas and see if we could correct it. Very, very sad for me to say that, but it's honest to goodness truth. I think I'm gonna reiterate. And over and over again, I think that they made a huge mistake with the head coaching hire. Never liked it. Still don't like it. Like it less today than I ever have before, Pop. Well, I'm gonna just be. I'm gonna just make it make you even more mad. Okay. He's gonna be a coach next year too. He's not an interim coach. Just know that he got the job by beating the Raiders, dude. They're not gonna fire Saturday. Come on. You know, Ursay is doing the old boys club stuff. I bet he called Peyton too. Think about it. Yeah, that was his center. Right. Think about it. I be, he called Peyton. Peyton didn't pick up the phone because he don't like Jim, Jim Ursay because Jim Ursay quit on him. So, you know, at the end of the day, I say this. Bet the Chargers Sunday night football because they're going to beat Mahomes and crew. I, I, I got that feeling. Because I know we ain't got that much time left. So yeah, we got we got to wrap the show here. That's my pick for the week here is going to be the uh, the Atlanta Falcons at home minus three. That's all the time we have this week. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.